1984, pastors Jean and Sue started Faith Christian Center in a hotel ballroom. But for the past 36 years, they have taught people how to practically apply the Bible to their everyday lives. Over the years, God has blessed us and the church has grown. Faith Christian Center is now located on a beautiful 73-acre campus in the heart of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We believe the best is yet to come. Today's message will encourage you, inspire you, and teach you how to experience God's best in every area of your life. We're going to start out a little differently this evening, and I want to do a, I just want to do a faith refresher. I was in uh, one of my cars today, and I heard Kenneth Hagin make a confession. I thought, you know, that's good stuff. We ought to do that. So let's begin just uh, a few verses and do a faith refresher, Mark eleven twenty two and 23. And Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and ye shall have them. Now, in the Greek it reads, have faith in God. I mean, that's what the NIV says. In the Greek it could be translated, have the faith of God, or have the God kind of faith. Now, the Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians 4.13, the Apostle Paul says that we have this same kind of faith. Say it out loud, the same kind. The same kind. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. And then Paul says that we have been given and this was at our recreation in Christ, we have been given a measure of this God kind of faith. Now people, you know, over the years, they'll protest, say, well, you know, Brother Jane, you either have faith or you don't. Well, I, you're disagreeing with the word of God because the Bible says, Paul said that we have been given a measure of this same kind of faith. Romans 12, 3, for I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you. So he's writing to believers not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man. So he's not talking about every man because every man has not faith. I didn't bring the reference, but the Bible specifically says every man has not faith. And we know that he's writing to believers because he says to every man that is among you, writing to the church in Rome. So Paul writes, according as God hath dealt to every man, every believer, the measure of faith. Say it out loud. I have been given, have been given a, measure of faith. a measure of faith. Again, I have been given, have been given a, measure of faith. a measure of faith. Say this. I have a measure, have a measure of, the of the God kind of faith. Again, I have a measure, have a measure of the God kind of faith. Kind of faith. Say this. Thank you, Father God. Thank I'm a, believer, I'm a believer and not a doubter. Not a doubter. Thank you, Father God. You, Father God. I'm, a I'm a believer and not a doubter. And, a doubter. and all that leads to this. <laughs> Say this out loud. I have a measure, have a measure of, the of the same faith that created the world, that created the world at, the at the beginning. Say it again. I have a measure, have a measure of the same faith that created the world, world at the beginning. And when you, you can't get your mind around this, but when you get your recreated spirit man around this, a lot of what we teach just makes, it just comes into focus and makes perfect sense because we don't have the ability God has, of course, to speak and worlds come into existence but we have a measure of faith. So we can speak and cause our world to come into existence. Can you see that? Amen. It's not the same, but it's the same kind. Amen. It's not the same, but it's a measure of the same kind. Amen. Does that make sense? 
And so think about people just stumbling through life and, and what they say. Well, we've got to change what we say. If we're going to, if we're going to get a different result, we've got, to, we've got to put a muzzle, a governor, a leash, whatever adjective you want to use on our mouth, and we've got to learn how to release our faith by what we say. Say it again. I have a measure, have a measure of, the same faith of the same faith that created the world, created the world in, the beginning. in the beginning. And this goes together with what I shared two weeks ago and with what Austin shared last week, and that is the ministry of Jesus. Now in my second time through the Bible this year, I've finished the book of Matthew today. And... Uh, it's not in the Gospels, but in the book of Acts, it says he went about doing good, healing all who were under the power of the devil. He, he just walked through his three and a half years and, you know, pulling bits and pieces from different Gospels, we know. He said, I only do what I see my father doing. I only say what I hear my father say. Now, this, this is a bridge to cross. We live in a day like Isaiah's day. Isaiah pled with the Lord, and Isaiah said, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. I mean, we have gotten to the point where literally everything is a lie. I mean, right, you know, the headlines today, and I went to the article, and I thought, well, sure, that sure seems like something different than what I've been seeing with my eyes. You know, my lion eyes, you know, that the slowdown on Southwest Airlines has anything to do with pilots and the vax. Oh, no, 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 no. It has to do with this, and it has to do with that. In other words, it's everything now is a lie. It's all a lie. It's all a lie. <clears throat> It's all a lie. And then, of course, now, what are we, 11 months out, now it all comes out, you know, one billionaire, one billionaire, one billionaire. It's all it took was one billionaire. And the way he did it, it came out this week how one billionaire got this guy in office. One. And was it Sunday? I used the illustration. We were up at Derek and Christina's, and, you know, I love eating cheeseburgers with Emma. And, uh, but oh my gosh. And so I got on the scale one day and I thought, stop. <laughs> so I went, to, uh, I went to the grocery store, and all I bought, all I bought was cauliflower and broccoli and some vitamin D. And I was shocked how much it was. And then I was thinking about that when I got home Sunday afternoon. All of these years, people have complained about me teaching and preaching more. This is absurd on face value because when you go get gasoline for your car, what do you need? More. When, when you go to the grocery store, what do you need? More. You know, in one of his sermons, Kenneth Hagin talked about how that when his firstborn was born, it was $25. I mean, that was the total, total, total charge. I, I, I think it's a little, I think it's gone up a little. Do you understand? So what do we all need? More. More. So think about that. One billionaire, just one billionaire. Just one. And I, standing here right now, I can only think of one Christian billionaire. But what if God's people had not dug in their feet and resisted and rebelled and refused to obey God? It's amazing. Pastor, you can't believe it's that simple. I do. I do. You know, money's like a gun. It can be used for good. It can be used for evil. It's not about the gun. It's about who's got it. Amen? Amen? And the same thing with our faith. See, in other words, it's not just a matter of you having some faith. You have to learn how to release the faith you have. That's why we did this little refresher. And 
One way we release our faith is by saying what we believe. Saying what we believe is not the only way that we can take action on the word of God, but saying what we believe is one way we can take action on the word of God. And I thought it was so great last Wednesday when Austin was talking about how ministers of the gospel ministered to the people of God through the black death and the plague and and every calamity that's ever come along until this one. And and, and they're, they're such scaredy cat little punks, they won't even come out of hiding and hold church. Preach it, preach it. And then to make it all worse, I get back to Matthew 13 again this year, the second time through. And it's Matthew 13 that has me alarmed. (laughs) That's a very light term. Because at the end, at the end, at the end, in the parable of the weeds, the angels are sent to gather up the weeds first before they gather up the harvest of God. And I cannot help but think that that's what this is right here. People who said they believe God, said they believe the word of God, but they believe man. I mean, just think about all the crazy actions people have taken based on man. I came across it this week. In 2005, in a publication by, is it the National Institutes of Health or NAID, whatever it is that Fauci is in charge of, 2005, right there in a, in a paper put out by that organization, it talked about how hydroxychloroquine was an effective uh, means of prevention or stopping SARS coronavirus. But apparently that was 16 years, 15 years before they figured out how to make money on it, on not having it around. See, I'm saying, you got you to watch yourself in these days because I'm telling you what, everything out there is a lie. I'm just throwing out a couple of examples. Lies, lies, lies. The word of God is true. Say it out loud. The word of God is true. And everything else is a lie. I mean, how in the world did man make it thousands of years on this planet without all this? I mean, think about the plague in Europe, the black death. I mean, think about the stuff that humankind has come through and survived without hiding in their basement. Without the police in Australia grabbing somebody and choking them but it's all for their health, right? Or, or beating them with a rifle butt. So we're talking about faith and prayer in this series, and I want you to get it. Amen. You have nothing to lose by believing God. Amen. But you have everything to lose by believing man. Amen. You have nothing to lose by believing God. Amen. And you have everything to lose by believing man. I mean, it's pretty amazing. So let's get back to where Austin left off last Wednesday. Jesus said he came down here to do his father's will. You know, he would say, I do what I see my father doing. I say what I hear my father saying. When we confess the lordship of Jesus, we confess our purpose. And our purpose ought to be to do the father's will. I don't mean to say this judgmentally because I've lived there myself. We get so involved in just trying to make a living. We do. We get so involved in just trying to make a living and we can lose sight of our purpose. Paul wrote in Ephesians 5, 17, therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Understand what the Lord's will is. So we can know the will of the Father. Why would Paul write, understand what the Lord's will is if we, couldn't know, if we couldn't know the will of the Father. Let me ask you a question. We do this church in 60 minutes, which has really evolved into church in 75 minutes, and, uh, and, and you get home, 
and you have your snack, you get settled in, and the rapture happens. Are you going to look back on the last 20 months and wish you had done things different? Are you going to look back on the last 20 months and, and wish you had witnessed more? Are you going to look back and are faces going to come to your mind of people that have worked at your home or people that you've come across and you haven't done anything to be a witness to? See, that's what I want to avoid in my life. And, of course, we have to be shrewd, and you have to be shrewd on the job. You just can't go around witnessing at work. But we, we, we can be as wise as serpents and as harmless as doves. See, what I'm saying is, they get us all distracted with all of this panic and fear and all of this, and we've lost sight of who we are. We've, we've lost sight of our purpose. We've lost sight of why we're here. I mean, if the whole objective was for you to go to heaven, well, God would kill you when you got saved. Because then you'd go to heaven. You couldn't even screw it up. So what is the purpose of God leaving us here after we're saved? Just to make a living? No. I mean, is that it? Just to make a living? There has to be more. Paul wrote in Romans 12, 1 and 2, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. So what you do with your body ought to be a spiritual act of worship. Amen. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. See, there's a pattern of this world. And let me tell you this, the pattern of this world in 2021 is different than the pattern of this world in 2011. And the pattern of this world is different than it was in 2001. And the pattern of this world is different than it was in 1991. The pattern keeps changing. And it's not evolving, it's devolving. And unfortunately, the church is just going down, down, down with it. The church at large. Yes. Uh, you know who's not holding church? The drinkers. <laughs> All you pastors that don't have the guts to hold church, I'll bet you got beer at home in the fridge. I bet you have wine on your jet. Yeah, I'd be more afraid. Now, I'm not saying you can't have, you know, on a very special occasion when Sue and I got married, you know, we go to the hotel that night and there's this little bottle of champagne, you know, so we didn't have nothing. So we drank it. <laughs> Because it was free. That's the way we thought back then. But you understand, I couldn't tell you how many times we've checked into suites and, you know, there's a bottle of wine waiting on us. You know, we, 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 we don't live at that level. We don't think at that level anymore. But I'd be more afraid of drinking and getting drunk or, or worse. How about this? Telling other people it's okay to drink than catching this virus out here. Whatever's out here on the earth is not half as scary. It's not one-tenth as scary as dying and going to hell. Amen. Now, I'm not saying you go to hell for drinking, but you can go to hell for encouraging other people to do things that can mess them up. Amen. There's a church, and they try and get Faith Christian Center kids to come to their home groups, and they do that by encouraging drinking. Why would anybody want to mix alcohol with teenagers? And then if it's at a home group, how do teenagers get there? How do they get there? Driving. So what kind of person wants to mix teenagers and drinking and driving? You see what I'm saying? So they're leading people to sin. Or they're leading people into something that could cause a real disaster. Do you see that? Yeah. So we don't even fear the right stuff in 2021. <laughs> we're trusting what we ought to fear, and we're fearing what we ought to trust. Amen. 
That's how, that's how they've got this thing turned out on its head. Amen. Then you will be able to prove, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Say it out loud. We can know the will of the Father. 1 John 4, 4, you dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Say it out loud. I got the greater one on the inside of me. Philippians 2.13, for it is God who works in you. Tell your neighbor, God works in me. Tell the other neighbor, and God works in you. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. I think we've lost sight of these things in the last 20 months. We've lost sight of... Well, forget about that. We're not even allowed to go visit people. I'm standing here thinking about standing in a hospital room. I couldn't tell you how many hundreds of times, hundreds of times, hundreds of times I've stood in a hospital room and just said to the Holy Spirit of God, what do you want me to do here? What do you want me to say? Whatever he wants me to do, I'll do. Whatever he wants me to say, I'll say. But how can you do that if you're not allowed in? But see, with fear, because they've got everybody so paralyzed with fear, we're not even thinking straight as believers. If Jesus was on the planet in 2021, he wouldn't be thinking about this one half of one second. He'd be about his father's business. Do you believe that? As a new creation in Christ, you have love in you. You have God's love in you. You have God's nature in you. You have God himself in you. I mean, think about how in the world does a believer walk in fear when Paul writes, it's in Romans, that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead shall quicken your mortal body. Well, that's got to be more powerful than something that came out of some lab in communist China. We're dealing with realities, and most preaching is theory, speculation, and telling us what man thinks we ought to be and what man thinks we ought to do. The problem is that we are not confessing what we are in him. We're not confessing who we are in him. Jesus continually confessed what he was. I noticed this about certain great fathers, especially Oral Roberts, You couldn't be in Oral Roberts' presence and him speak the word without confessing certain things. He'd talk about the power of God in his right arm. He'd talk about the the warmth in in his right hand. He confessed things leading up to laying hands on people. And I think we've backed off of a lot of this because... People call us names. You know, they use derogatory adjectives about us. Well, who does he think he is? Well, I can tell you this. I'm 65 years old, and I've only met one person in my entire lifetime of Oral Roberts caliber. I can tell you that. I can tell you that for sure. He had power with God. No doubt about it. All that Jesus was to his father in his earth walk, we can be to our father God in our earth walk. All that he did, he did for us that we might become his sons and his daughters. And we have that same Holy Spirit that Jesus had. Say it out loud. I have the same Holy Spirit that Jesus had. We have the same words. Because if you actually look, I mean, it's amazing how many times reading the Gospels, it takes you to footnotes. And Jesus is quoting out of the Old Testament. We have that. And then on top of it now, we have the words of Jesus. If you don't know what to say, just let the word of God come out of your mouth. Amen? Amen? Amen. If you don't know what to say, just let the word of God come out of your mouth. I just read that a night or two ago. After he fasted 40 days, he was hungry, he was tired, and Satan shows up. You know when Satan's going to show up? When you're hungry and you're tired. 
And how did Jesus get rid of him? By quoting the word. And if Jesus had to quote the word to the devil three times to get rid of him, why would we think we can quote one verse and get rid of the devil? It might, take, it might take two or three verses to run him off. Amen? The Pauline revelation is the word of the Father. Let me say this, and I don't mean to, I don't mean to throw you for a loop, but I, you know, I just read through to the end of Matthew today. When you, read, when you read the Gospels, you need to understand that the Gospels were about and are about God's people Israel. Two nights ago or so, he comes across the, I think she was a Syrophoenician woman, and she wanted her daughter healed, and he said, well, I've only been sent to the house of Israel. And she said, well, even the dogs eat the crumbs from the children's table. And he said, for that word, your daughter is healed. But you understand, he was sent. He said he was sent to the lost house of Israel. And so even when you read those Gospels, you have to understand, he's not talking to Gentile believers. And when he gets to, let's say, Matthew 24, and he's talking about the end times, the rapture is not in there at all. He's not talking, he's not talking to Gentile believers. Those gospels and his life and his ministry and what he said was directed to Israel, the lost house of Israel, the descendants of Abraham. And so a lot of bad theologies floating around based on misreading those gospels. The time from the rending of the curtain in the temple at his death until the coming of the Lord, the parousia of the, the, the Lord, is like a set of parentheses in the timeline of God dealing with man. If you will see that, it explains a lot about the Bible. It's just a, it's just a, a parentheses. And what it is, and I just read that, this afternoon in the parable of the banquet that he invites all these people to come to, to the wedding banquet and you know they snub him and so he says well go out into the highways and the byways and compel them to come in that's what this is it's called the time of the Gentiles and once you understand that it helps you because to understand your life actually in Christ as a Gentile believer you have to go to Paul. You can't even understand that from the Gospels. Now, I'm not diminishing the Gospels, but I'm saying you've got to read those Gospels understanding that he was sent. He said himself he was sent to the lost house of Israel. So when he talks about end times in those Gospels, I just read it today, he's talking about the time leading up to what we would call the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ Israel's been conquered Jerusalem's been sacked all the horrible stuff that goes along with the, with the city being sacked and then he comes and he stands on the Mount of Olives that's prophetic that's true that will come to pass as surely as the sun is going to come up tomorrow but it doesn't have anything to do with us as Gentile believers because we won't be here do you understand? Amen. So to find out who we are, we have to go to Paul. Who we are where? In Christ. So it is about Christ. It is about Jesus. But you have to understand, we're, 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 not, we're not in the tribe, man. You know, myself, I don't even know what I am. People have asked me in the past, I said, I don't know, I'm a mongrel. You know, all, all those people intermarry and hillbillies and Appalachian, who knows? And, uh, you know, I mean, I don't even know what I am, but I know I'm not in the tribe, even though my mom tried to claim that. But she's the same woman told me my 
my great-grandmother was full-blooded Cherokee, and I ran that by my uncle, and he burst out laughing. He said, well, that would be kind of tough since her maiden name was Edwards, no, Daniels. <laughs> so even your own kinfolk, you just can't believe everything they're telling you. <laughs> Say it out loud again, the Word of God is true, and everything else is a lie. Like B.B. King said, only my mama loves me, and I think she's lying too. <laughs> so the Pauline revelation is the word of the Father. We can fill our mouth with this revelation that God gave Paul. And I feel prompted to say something about Paul. Paul, how could Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, how could Paul say that he was the least of the apostles. How could a guy that God used to write two-thirds of the New Testament say that he was the least of the apostles? And why is that? Also, Paul said of himself that he was an apostle born out of season. Well, here it is. I'm not knocking Peter. I'm sure he was a great guy, you know, fisherman. You know, I'm sure he was a guy, a guy. I could have got along with, with Peter. You know, pull out the sword, cut off the guy's ear. I totally relate. <laughs> but there was not one of the 12 minus one that understood the Old Testament. Paul had to have been a member of the Sanhedrin because it says in the book of Acts, he cast his vote on the stoning of Stephen. You couldn't have been a member of the Sanhedrin without being married, so apparently he was a widower. And then in the book of Acts, he goes through all of his training and all of his education. It is unbelievable. He was like a PhD in those days. He understood the Old Testament. And he's out here killing Christians. He's out here persecuting Christ. He's out here trying to destroy the proclamation of the gospel, not just in Jerusalem and Judea, but, you know, going up to Damascus and other towns. And he had letters, he carried letters, authorizing him to do this from the high priest in Jerusalem. And God arrested him. Arrested him. Arrested him. You know the story. And he was blind. See, that's why he was the least of the apostles, because he didn't really hear the word, believe the word, confess the word, and become born again. You understand, if, if, if somebody strikes you blind, they have your attention. <laughs> and God arrested them. And then he, went into, then he had to go into training again. Three years in the desert and all of that, he had to go into training again. So he could take his learning from the Old Testament and compare it to what these apostles and disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ were telling him. You understand it was verbal history back then. What they were telling him about what Jesus had said and what Jesus had done and what Jesus had taught and he came up with the Pauline Revelation. And he's the only one that could have done it. That's why we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews but it it had to have been Paul because he was the only one with the intellectual juice to do it. And the reason the language is different from a lot of his letters is probably it was dictated to Luke. So, of course, if it's dictated, the language is not going to be identical to other letters that he might have wrote by hand. We know that he dictated letters because at the end of some letters he says, you know, I write this salutation in my own hand. It's the love of God. God did all of this. God arranged all of this that we might have this revelation of who we are in Christ. And for 2,000 years, people have by and large ignored it. Who we are in Christ. We're not beggars. We're, we're not filthy rags people 
We're, we're the sons and daughters of God. We don't stand before God in our righteousness. We stand before God in his righteousness. We are, we have become, we are the righteousness of God in Christ. You have no idea how this, the last 20 months, have separated out people. You know, my son-in-law said, he said, I, I, this is the first, thing I'm, first time in my lifetime, you can't really define this by conservative or liberal. And I'll tell you what it is, I think. I think it's, it's not conservative or liberal. I think, I think it is word believers versus non-word believers. Man believers. See, and I know people would, I mean, probably there's people here tonight think I'm crazy. It doesn't bother me in the least. I think the guy who believes man's crazy. Because man will lie to you all day long. Man will change his story. I mean, if you don't believe that, you haven't read anything about the Fauci emails. You have not read anything about the, the disclosures of that one drug company. You go down to about page 67, it's amazing what they admit. It's amazing what they admit. And all of these years, well, you know, all he wants is my money. What the hell do you think Fauci wants? Amen. Amen. At least when God wants your money, it's so he can put it in the hands of Jesus like the, the loaves and the fishes and multiply it Amen. and give it back to you. Amen. But you ain't getting nothing back from these people. That's right. Not unless you're a stockholder. And then if you're a stockholder, you get like one one millionth of whatever. Who we are in Christ. And we're reluctant to talk about it because, you know, we get judged for it. We get judged for it. I mean, think about it. Everything Jesus was, we are. Think about it. We're saviors. How many here tonight, this is just a Wednesday night, I have no idea who, who will respond. How many here tonight, when, when you met me, you were lost? Okay, raise your hand. Look around the room. So what am I to you? What am I to you? Yeah. How many here tonight, just a regular Wednesday night, have I spoken words over you or laid hands on you and you have been healed by the power of God? Let me see those hands. So what am I to you? No, another word. I'm a healer. But wait a minute. There's nothing special about me. I'm nobody. I'm just somebody who ran with a vision. See, you are somebody's savior out there tomorrow. And you're somebody's healer out there tomorrow. Can you see that? Can you see that this world is lost and dying and going to hell faster than any time in your lifetime? Can you see that? Think about just this. I read this today. Jesus talked about Woe to anyone who causes a child to sin. What in the world is this generation doing to children? They're, they're doing psychological experiments on them. They're, they're, doing, they're doing surgeries on them. They're doing uh, experimental drug experiments on them. Think about what they're doing to children. And Jesus said it would be, if you cause one of these little ones to sin, it'd be better for you if you had never been born. This, this world's dark. It's lost. 
Yeah, but you know, Pastor, if we just get that last guy back, you know, he'll save us all. That's idolatry. He didn't do nothing the last time. Why would you want to, I mean, why would you want to give somebody a second chance didn't do something the first time? You know, we at least ought to give somebody else a chance to do nothing. <laughs> but who are we? When we go out there tomorrow, are you just Joe Schmo trying to make a, 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 another mortgage payment? Is that, is that who you are? No. Or are you, are you somebody's face of God? Amen. They're desperate. They're lost. They don't know what to do. They don't know where to turn. They don't know what to believe. See, you can be somebody's savior. Not in the sense that you can save them from their sins, but you can point them to the, the, you can point them to the way to get saved from their sins. Do you see it? And somebody frightened about what's going on in their body, you can be a healer to them. I mean, isn't that exactly what Paul was and Peter and James and John and all the rest? They were healers. And you sure don't have to be afraid of a demon. You can be a deliverer. I don't know if he's here tonight, but there's a guy that had been addicted to drugs 30 years and uh, we're leaving prayer one morning. If I remember right, it was prayer. And he asked me in Austin to pray for him 30 years asked me in Austin to pray for him and you know okay I don't know what's going to happen I mean I just do what I'm asked to do so Austin and I laid hands on him he reported later you know 30 years broken no more drugs see so that would make me what there's another adjective a deliverer but you are too say it out loud I have Christ, Christ in me. In me. But see, it's hard to even say it because there's all this criticism and all these adjectives thrown at us and who do they think they are? Well, I'll tell you who we are. We're chips off the old block. Didn't we deal with that two Wednesdays ago? You are, you are Cephas. You're, you're a chip off the block. And on this Petra, I will build my church. That's who we are. We're not, we're not Jesus, but we're, we're made of the same stuff. We have the same faith. We dealt with that a few minutes ago. We have the same spirit. See, the problem is, we, now don't go out of here and get weird. Tell your neighbor, don't get weird. <laughs> Tell them we have enough weird. You know, we don't need people. And I, I don't, don't act spiritual. It freaks me the heck out. <laughs> but this world's lost. They're dying. They're going to hell. They don't even know it. They, and, and the countryside is full of false prophets. Amen. And you find these guys. I don't even, how is this even legal that, that the people that are spokesmen for this company, they're on the... Uh, corporate board of a pharma, big pharma, and how do you go from being, and apparently that's what they do, they get to be the head of the FDA so they can go on the board of big pharma. I mean, how, a lot of what's going on shouldn't even be legal. No. Man, I'm just old school. I just believe God. And if, if, if anything has been proven to me it is this, man's a liar. And man will lie to you. And when man lies, he's trying to manipulate you. And why would God need to manipulate little old me? So he's not going to lie to me. And he can't lie. Over and over and over in that Pauline revelation we talked about, Paul says he cannot lie. Even if he wanted to, for some reason, he can't. It's against his nature. So the Pauline revelation is the word of the Father. We can fill our mouth. We can, we can read those letters. See, those letters Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, to the Corinthians, to Titus, to Philemon, those letters that Paul wrote, they, you can take them as letters to you. 
And when we do that, we'll be speaking the Father's words. We, we can fill our mouths with a Pauline revelation. And you know what we'll be doing? We'll be taking Jesus' place in the earth. We'll be saying the Father's words just as Jesus did when he walked the earth. Jesus just knew who he was. And Jesus knew why he came. And we can know who we are. And we can know why we're here. See, am I just here to, am I just here to make my, pay my electric bill? Is that it? Am I just here to make the next car payment? Is that it? Am I just, is that the extent of my purpose? Or were we all meant to have a greater purpose? We're new creations in Christ. We have his nature. And there's nothing mysterious about it. You can know exactly who you are, and you can know your place in the Father's family just like Jesus did. And we can be about our Father's business just like Jesus was about his Father's business. Jesus said in John 7, 29, I know him because I am from him, and he sent me. So I'm going to test your resolve right now to not get offended at these things that we're talking about tonight. See, I can say that. I can say that. He sent me. He sent me. I mean, how many here tonight would yet be in their sins if God had not sent me and if I had not agreed to go? Can you see that? He sent me, so I know where I'm from. And I know where I'm going. See, that's why I'm not afraid of death. I'm just amazed at God's people who are afraid of dying. Did you know that before 2020, people died? They died. And I don't see the problem with it if you know where you're going. I think that's the whole idea of the fear, though. It's all these pro-abortion people that are scared out of their minds. And he, Well, you know, I'm a Christian, and I'm scared out of my mind. Well, that's because you vote for abortion. That's why, that's why you're afraid. People are afraid of crossing over to an uncertain future. But my future is set. So I have no fear, which allows me to live. See, if you're, if you're, if you're caught up in fear, you can't live. People don't even see it. What's the, point of being, what's the point of having the breath of life in your lungs if you're afraid to go outside? That's right. And my heart goes out to people. You know, we got a lot of people watching now from Australia and New Zealand, and, and it's not that they're afraid to go outside because of some virus. They're afraid to go outside because of the popo. <laughs> and they're afraid to go outside because of, of the police because they gave up their guns. That's right. You just try and do something coming down through, you know, Mansfield, Kennedy. Oh, man, you, you better pack a lunch. <laughs> Because everybody's armed to the teeth. <laughs> just, just, just try some police officer go out here and strangle some woman. You know exactly what would happen. Take you out from a mile away. We got guys trained. But if you're afraid, you can't live. And that's why they want everybody afraid. And did you notice they passed all that money out last year? Why didn't they just cancel everybody's taxes? Amen. <laughs> it would have been cheaper than what they did. I know him, Jesus said, because I am from him. And he sent me. He sent me. He sent me. So you could live. So you could be healed. So you could be set free. So you could be delivered. So you could prosper. So you could eat the best of the land and wear the best of the land and drive the best of the land and live in the best of the land. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So it's a mission and it's a purpose. And what they have done is they have robbed people. 
of living. They've robbed them many of their livelihood. They've robbed a lot of God's men. Of course, now we know if, if they won't be heralds, then they were no count, no good anyway. You know, we were into this three, four, five months, and I was out praying one morning, and I, I said, Lord, I said, I'm really disturbed about all these churches that haven't reopened. Then he spoke to me, and he said, Son, it doesn't matter whether those churches are open or not. And I was horrified. So what did we talk about tonight? The Bible. But even when churches meet, a lot of them don't talk about the Bible. So what's the point, really? But I want to take us back, back, back to the book of Acts. People you never heard of in the Gospels were doing exploits for God in the book of Acts because somebody got to them with the gospel and they believed. And you know what happened when they believed? God sent them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And God empowered them. And they did the works of Jesus. Just think about Stephen. You never heard about Stephen in the four gospels. But he became such a threat to the establishment, they killed him over. Somebody might say, well, that's a problem, Pastor. Well, no, 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 because that martyr's crown, that's the hardest one to get. And he's got it. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Doing the works of Jesus. So even though his life might have been short, it had purpose. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, I'm not going to go out here and try and get martyred. <laughs> but I'm telling you one thing, I'm not going to live in fear. Amen. We're going to proclaim the word of God. And we're going to do the works of Jesus. And we're just going to keep doing what Jesus did until we hear those three words and we hear the trumpet blast and we hear the Father say, come up hither. Months ago, months ago, I was just feeling a little weary. Sometimes I do. And I told him, I said, I'm not complaining, but I'm just feeling it. He said, son, the time for rest is coming. But we, and I love it. That's what I want you to get tonight. When he talks about you, he talks in first person plural. He said, son, the time for rest is coming, but we must work while it's day. For the night is coming when no man can work. So we are his partners. We are his co-workers. We are his family. Thank you for listening to this life-changing message. To partner with us and to help us reach more people with the good news of the gospel, visit our website at faithchristiancenter.com. Your financial support is enabling us to reach more people than ever before. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that simple prayer, you are born again and today is a new beginning. We would like to send you a copy of Dr. Jean Lingerfeld's book, God's Very Own Child. To receive your free copy, call the church office at 817-561-3400 or send an email to info at faithchristiancenter.com. Remember to put God first in every area of your life because he loves you and has a wonderful plan for you. And don't forget, we walk by faith, not by sight.